Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday. It's November 28th, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. And today we're reading from the big book, the chapter, The Doctor's Opinion. We'll be reading one paragraph on page XXV, I, I, I. And we're going to begin reading with paragraph three, if any feel that as psychiatrist. And the first reader will be commenting on that paragraph also, and that's what we will share on. Well, today's readers are to 12 Steps, Sherry KB, 12 Traditions, Ingrid F. And the readers are our text will be Elaine T, Marie J, and Catherine M. And our newcomer greeter is Melanie C. Now I have two reference numbers with five-digit numbers. And the first one is for yesterday, Monday, November 27th. The 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10,718. That's 10718. And today, Tuesday, November 28th, for our 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 10,719. That's 10719. The OA Preamble. OA, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sherry KB to please read OA's 12 Steps. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater, the 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
Nine, made the recommends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service, and I pass. And thank you so much, Sherry KB. I will now ask Ingrid F. to please read the OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Ingrid F., and I'm a compulsive overeater from Southern California. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 2. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 3. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 4. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, prestige, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those we serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me read today. I pass. And thank you so much, Ingrid, for your service. Our meeting, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. Not to share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you've done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. 
and in order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Well, today we resume our study in the big book, and we're going to begin. The first reading is going to begin on page X, X, V, I, 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 and that's going to be paragraph three, if any feel that as psychiatrist. And I'm now going to ask, please, Elaine T., if she would begin reading for us. Good morning, Janice. This is Elaine T., gratefully recovered one day at a time, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Can I be heard? I'm going to assume so. I'm sorry. You are, I can hear you, Elaine. <laughs> Thanks. If any feel that as psychiatrists directing a hospital for alcoholics, we appear somewhat sentimental, let them stand with us a while on the firing line. See the tragedies, the despairing wives, the little children. Let the solving of these problems become a part of their daily work and even of their sleeping moments. And the most cynical will not wonder why we have accepted and encouraged this movement we feel, after many years of experience, that we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these men than the altruistic movement now growing up among them. Wow, it's a great paragraph. Um, I want to thank um, Dr. Silkworth so much for his work because you can see in this paragraph how dedicated he is that he, um, he feels for the patients that he's had over the years, thousands of them that he could not help. And no matter what he did, and it kept, obviously it kept him up at night, and the family members haunted him. And um, because of that, he um, endorsed this movement. And because of this movement, um, we get to share in recovery um, The line I like the most is, we feel after many years of experience that we have found nothing which has contributed more. Um, in my case, that is absolutely true. Um, I didn't come in for an altruistic movement, too much selfishness for that, but there has been nothing that has contributed more to my life than this program. And I've had 24 years in the rooms of recovery. I'm only two years recovered, but I am so grateful that um, I, I'm getting the sanity that I came in for. That is, to me, the number one thing, because I know in my life as well, there were children not always getting the kind of direction and love that they deserved because of my insanity. There were people at my work. Um, there were people in my family, other family members besides my partner. And in uh, those cases, um, things have improved greatly. And I am awed and humbled to be part of this program and grateful every day to my higher power, which this program has helped me find so that I can be um, doing the work that he, she, or it wants me to do and um, giving back only a, a minute fraction of what I have gained. And um, as my friend in California says, thank you, God. More, please. And with that, I'll pass. 
And thank you so much, Elaine T. Okay, now we're going to share and comment on this paragraph, XXVII, paragraph 3. Who would like to? Go ahead. Sorry, Carolyn S. Carolyn S. Yes. Jill S. Kathleen O. Joe S. Is that what you said, Joe S? Jill S. F or S? S and Sam? S is in Sam. Jill S. Yep. Got it. And Kathleen O, I heard you. Anyone else? Let's have Spell that for me. Kathy. I heard somebody before Kathy. Who was that? That's Leslie C L E S S I E. Got it. Leslie. Oh, Leslie. Okay, Leslie. And what is the first when initial? Am- what is Carrie the first KB? initial? Uh, what is the first initial, Leslie, of your of your last name? C, as in Campbell. Got it. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm gonna go. And Kathy, what was your the initial of your first your last name? R. Again. R. L. R. As, as a, in red. red. Oh, R. Oh, see, we Massachusetts don't pronounce our R's right. Okay, Carolyn, it's your turn. <laughs> You're up. Okay, can you still hear me? I can hear you, yes. Okay, great. I wasn't sure if I was still unmuted. Yeah, um, yeah this paragraph's great. Um, I, I love how he says, if some people think that we're being sentimental, um, in other words, you know, that this isn't a big deal, um, let them stand with us on the firing line, um, see the tragedies. And, you know, our lives, I mean, alcoholics, you know, their their tragedies may be more visible immediately. You know, they're, they're driving recklessly. Um, you know, maybe they're throwing things around the house. Um, I may not have been that outwardly, visibly, um, you know, messed up, uh, but my relationships were... Um, you know, my relationship with my husband was back because I felt bad about myself. You know, I didn't want intimacy. Um, I was very self-centered. Um, and, you know, my children suffered for it. Um, I was present physically. I wasn't always present emotionally and uh, psychologically. You know, I, I resented their needs for attention. Um, and they were little children. You know, they, they needed their mom. And, you know, I... I didn't abuse them, and yet um, isn't not being present emotionally a, a type of abuse. Um, and, you know, we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these men than the altruistic movement now growing up among them. And what a, um, an endorsement that is of, of the program. And I think that's so true because, um, you know, I've tried so many things in the past to lose weight, so many diets, so many um, programs, you know, so many exercise schemes, and nothing has contributed more to my recovery than OA, and not just OA, but vision in particular, Um, you know, because I I suffered um, by trying to do all these things that work for the average eater, um, but they don't work for me. And, you know, when I try to um, have a little, it, it inevitably turned into a binge and then all the regret, remorse, and hopelessness. Um, and 
you know, nothing, it didn't work to be told have a little of this or get to the right weight and then you can eat like a normal person, you know. I, I had to be told you need entire abstinence and that you can never be a normal eater. And, you know, uh, it took a long time for me to accept that. But thank God I finally did, and now I'm living in a recovered state. And for that, I'm very grateful. And I'm grateful to everybody on the line for sharing every day. Thank you. I pass. And we're thankful to you, Carolyn. Thank you. Okay, Joe S., it's your turn. Joe S.? Star one to unmute. This is Jill S. in San Diego. And this, thank you. Uh, this uh, paragraph really jumped out at me that when I looked at it, I felt a little bit like my life was um, before my eyes. It, it jumps out around when we talk about the food and food behaviors. And thinking about the tragedies and the despair, it really came up of how much pain I caused in others' lives as I really only thought about me. Um, and I would try trickery and manipulation around being a loving, gentle person, which I am, but it was to get what I wanted from them. And it really rings true of it's not just about eating the food and and what occurs for me when I've done that in my past, but also those behaviors. Who was I? What did I do around my addiction so that I really and truly kept trying to create a life that I thought made sense and control a life while I was hurting so many other people. And that's a real tall order for me to look at and own. And the only reason I can do that is because of recovery that I've had and the willingness to do the daily work. And And I won't say that my daily practice is all it has the potential to be, but I am committed to it. And the dramatic change that's happened as a result of it is unbelievable. And it really hits me in this paragraph, too, that if I look at the tragedy, the despair, the reference to the daily work, and then the last part of the altruism, I think that that was the first and continued piece of OA that is so loud to me every day about the altruistic approach that we take, the hope, the love that, for me, has not only been present in the room, but when I listen on this call, and there are hundreds of people sharing their hopes and their fears and and their successes, that it really is about God. It is about how do I put someone else before me so that those behaviors don't come back out today as who I am, but that the altruistic Jill comes out in a way that not only really gives peace to someone else, but gives me peace from the behaviors or, or the eating that I used to do that was really tormenting me and others. And you know, I've lost a lot. I've lost marriages. I've lost relationships, all because of the madness of this addiction that we have that I really do believe today only God and the God through you can help me through. So with that, I thank you, and I'm just so grateful to be on this call today. I'll pass. And thank you so much. Kathleen O, it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be on the line this morning live. Um, This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. Let them stand with us a while on the firing lines. See the tragedies, the despairing lives, the little children. You know, 
Dr. Silkworth was really a medical saint. He knew he couldn't fix this, and he had clearly tried. He worked with a lot of alcoholics. And, you know, psychiatrists couldn't figure it out. Medical doctors, physicians couldn't figure it out. And for him to humble himself and say, you know, I don't know, but this group has a solution. And, um, you know, the frothy emotion appeal seldom suffices. You know, I would go to doctors and they would give me diet pills. Um, they would put me on diets. I went to acupuncturists. Um, they tried poking needles in me to see if it would help. I went to a hypnotist who tried to get me to stop eating. Um, I went to a doctor once who gave me a shot of pregnant women's urine. Um, you know, none of that worked. And so to see, you know, this movement, I mean, this is why we're all here today and why, um, you know, I don't have to suffer anymore. I don't have to be miserable anymore. I don't have to suffer in the food. I don't have to suffer in my head. Um, and the, this altruistic movement, you know, the this is all about, um, like Bill W. said, one drunk helping another drunk, one alcoholic helping another alcoholic, one compulsive eater helping another compulsive eater. Um, the The fact that we help each other is really one of the big keys, one of the big ingredients in this, you know, so is, is being connected with higher power and working these steps. And to be at a point now where, you know, I happily don't eat. I mean, I just don't want to eat the stuff I used to eat. I'm not focusing on, you know, the quantities. Um, and, and it really is a miracle. So, um, you know, Thank you, Dr. Silkworth, for writing this and supporting this because this is what got this movement, you know, a little more acceptable out there and got it going. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you so much, Kathleen O. Okay, Lessie C., you're up. This is Lessie C. in Improve Beach, California. Can you hear me okay? I can very well. Thank you. Um, I am a recovering desperately going to be recovered compulsive overeater. Um, the shares this morning um, could have come from me. Um, thank you all for having my same affliction. So the doctor's opinion is vital to me. Um, I, uh, I needed some, some science and proof, some numbers, which we've been saying over the last week or so, to get me to buy into this program. And here is a man um, of science, of proof and numbers and experiments and results um, that is still compassionate because this is a disease that affects the entire family. I know it affected my I think we lost you, Lessie. Press star one. Am I still being heard? Now I can hear you. We okay. lost you for about a moment. Yep. <laughs> that was kind of odd. But anyway, um, in the prior par paragraph, it talks about frothy emotional appeal. And I'll tell you, if love would have cured me, I would have never... I would have never become a compulsive overeater. I started compulsively overeating at four. Um, and, uh, but my mom loved me, loved me no matter what. She thought I was perfect. And I became her caregiver in her later years. And um, 
this woman who loved me, thought I was perfect, and who I loved and wanted to care for and about, at times she got between me and my food, and I reacted meanly to her. And, oh, when I think about that, that just breaks my heart. So this disease affects entire families, and um, thankfully I did find lots of recovery before she passed, and um, and it was it was fine and it was all I think we lost you for a moment again. Let's see. I think I'm supposed to pass because this is going a little crazy this morning. Thanks for oh, being you, here. You sure? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> you got a message, huh? All right, Kathy R, it's your turn. Ah. Uh, Kathy R. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kathy R. from the Tampa Bay, Florida area. Glad to be at the meeting, recovered from the seemingly hopeless disease. I am just in a totally different place. You know, back in the 70s, I knew that, they, that I was insane. There was something that was insane about me. And I started doing the circuit of psychologists. They didn't give me what I wanted. Then I ended up going to the psychiatrist. And, you know, I was so willing to take their, I mean, it was this huge, big, long test that you had to take home and answer all these questions. I returned it to them, waited for the results. There were some things on there that the psychiatrist just blew over. I was honest on that test, and the signs of addiction were clearly evident in the results that came back. Well, the answer to that was a pill. I knew darn well I didn't want any pills. That wasn't going to fix me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It was a few more years of my practicing before I walked into the rooms of a 12-step program. But, you know, Dr. Sil- we owe so much to Dr. Silkworth who, who is our backing for this is not a program that a pill's going to fix or a psychologist is going to fix or it's only the help of you helping another person me helping another person so much was so freely given to me in the beginning of my recovery that today I look for those opportunities to give back it's the only thing that keeps me in recovery today And all I can say is thank you, Dr. Silkworth, for the insight and the humility to realize he didn't have the answer and that he saw the answer was between addicts. It was one addict helping another. That was the answer. So thank you for letting me share, and I'll keep listening. Well, thank you, Kathy. Uh, Okay, just a reminder to tell you where we're at. We're on page XXVIII, paragraph 3. Who would like to share on, on this paragraph? Marie J. Sherry KB. Marie J., is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. Marie J. Yeah, Marie J., Sherry KB. Who Reggie O. Donna, Donna W. I hear Reggie O. I hear Donna W. Was there somebody before you, Donna? Mary Amrifka H. Uh, ooh, um, say it again, please. 
Reska? Marianne, Marianne Reska. Okay, Marianne Reska. Okay, let's go with that group. Good group. Marie J., please go ahead. Thanks. This is Marie J., recovering in Colorado and so grateful. Um, what I find compelling about this particular paragraph is the knowledge that I really didn't know how destructive my disease was to other people. I destroyed lives. I destroyed lives of my husband and my children. My marriage was failing, and, and it wasn't my fault, and I didn't take any responsibility for my behavior. It was all about him, and I was self-centered, and I was self-righteous. I was so focused on just me and what I could get out of life and get from people. My kids were terrified of my rage. My kids were terrified of me. I had these six-year-old little twin boys, and I, I didn't even know that I was uh, how I was behaving and how this was affecting them. And so I had this whole family life that was just completely focused on me. And when they weren't, I was enraged. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it until I got on the other side of recovery because I couldn't see the damage because I was so focused on me and not focused on anyone else. And what I know is that the foundation of this program is is higher power. And until I could get fully connected to that higher power and see and get honest about myself, you know, get out of the food and then get honest about everything related to my behavior and how I was treating people. And all I know is I got to have that power first. I cannot effectively work the steps and get through understanding my self-righteousness and my other character defects in order to allow God to repair these relationships, which I can say, thank you, God, five years later, I am in a beautiful relationship. I am in a beautiful relationship in my family, my husband, my children. It is healed by the grace of God and by the power of these steps and working this program. And that's what I get out of it. I get to see how I can serve my family and reach out and be in altruistic um, service to others, in program, outside of program, in my family, in my business relationships, all of this has come to fruition because of my foundation in knowing that there's a power greater than me that I can turn to and I can change. Nothing else outside of me has changed much. I have changed in my entire life, have become happy, joyous, and free, and, and way beyond, way beyond my, my understanding or expectation of when I started this program just wanting to lose the 90 pounds. That is such a small, small uh, benefit of the program. It's all I wanted, and I got it, but it is so com small compared to everything else that this has brought me. And that's what this paragraph is about. It's so very exciting, and it's so very achievable. And it's not even that hard. It, it just requires constant connection and and constant attention to my relationship with my higher power and staying in service. Thanks, I pass. And thank you. And I have to apologize to the group. I haven't been um, taking the uh, watching my time on the speakers, but I'm sure it's okay. I'm going to make sure I do it now with Reggie O. Please go ahead. Reggie O. 
Hi, thanks. I didn't know I was coming up so soon. I was off guard. Thank you, Janice. Thanks so much for your service this morning and everybody on the line who's shared and who's here supporting and listening. Uh, I'm very gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And I, you know, I'm so touched listening to this paragraph this morning, you know, uh, Dr. Silkworth saying that, you know, it is about this altruistic movement. And to get to the place of being altruistic, really, you know, it takes a lot. Um, it takes a lot. It takes, as he, he spoke, as he talked about earlier in the doctor's opinion, it takes putting down the food. It takes getting our mind cleared. It takes going through these, you know, this amazing program of action that brings us closer to a higher power. Uh, it takes letting, it takes getting rid of, letting go of all of the things that have kept us from the world and from ourselves and from other people, from this higher power. Uh, through working the steps, and then we have that amazing psychic change uh, that takes us from be take, that is takes us from being self-centered to other-centered, and that is the altruistic movement. And I, you know, I think it's um, uh, I think it must be a spiritual principle. You know, we've heard it said over and over again that that we really can't keep um, what we have unless we give it away. And so we get this amazing, miraculous recovery, and we keep giving it away. And not only does it allow us to keep what we have, but it, um, but it feels fabulous. You know, it feels fabulous, and we, and it just keeps growing. I don't think, uh, you know, I, I can relate to. I've, I've, I've left a lot of, uh, I've left a lot of relationship damage in the way, in the wake of my, uh, in the wake of my disease. And a part of it was, you know, most of it was due to that, you know, self centered fear selfishness you know i i didn't feel like i had anything to give so it was about you know continued taking while giving you know yeah i did a lot of giving but you know and some of it was certainly some of it was from love but a lot of it was was to get a lot of it was from my fear a lot of it was to manage and to control you know and i i just feel so grateful that i you know i feel so grateful that i you know i i continue to get more of myself back, I think the self that God created me to be. And I, you know, and I couldn't have, you know, and I do this with all of you. I, I I think this program is a program of an altruistic program because we weren't meant and born to do it alone. You know, we can't, especially as addicts, Uh, we, we need each other and we need this program and we need higher power. And the thing about it is, is, I mean, it's, it's miraculous. (laughs) It's miraculous. You know, thank God that what I need to keep me, Sane and sober and uh, enriching my life and hope, hopefully the lives of the people around me, I have to have, you know, I have to have. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a beautiful, um, it's just a beautiful, I won't say formula because that makes it much too, you know, chemical because it is a formula of the heart. And uh, so greatly appreciate uh, you all and this program and uh, the Vision for You meetings. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Reggio. Thank you so much. Okay, it's your turn, Donna W. Press star one to unmute, Donna. Hi, this is Donna W., gratefully recovered for today in Palo Alto, California. Thank you so much for this awesome meeting, and uh, so grateful for Dr. Silkworth. And while, of course, we have the wreckage of our families and how we – we show up and abuse others and aren't present. I, uh, today I want to talk about how, um, how you know, I've, I've, there's, I've had so much self-attack and self-abuse that I think often compulsive eaters, you know, um, dump on themselves and 
while um, alcoholics might be causing a lot of wreckage around them, I believe compulsive eaters, we cause a lot of wreckage inside. And I'll speak for myself in that, um, you know, while I'm showing up and trying to be perfect and I was a total goody-goody kid and teacher's pet and, um, you know, always trying to do everything perfectly, straight-A student, but I was totally dumping on myself. I hated myself. I hated my body and um, just complete self-abuse. And that's what I'm still recovering from today, learning um, how to love myself how to accept my body, and um, the altruistic part of the program is helping me to have humility. I don't have to be the best person in the room. I don't have to be the worst. I don't have to be the piece of shit at the center of the universe, as I've heard others share. And um, and I'm learning self-compassion. So, I, I, you know, whenever I'm doing a 10-step or 4-step, I'm always on the amends list because I've hurt myself so much. So that's what I want to share today, that... Um, as a compulsive eater, I've, I've really um, abused myself, and I'm learning to um, have a loving relationship with myself because of the program. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you so much, Donna W. Okay, let's have Miriam Rivka. Good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Miriam Rivka H. in New Jersey. Um, just starting my timer. I, I'm so glad that we're we're viewing this today because I find that after a while in program I get so used to my current way of life and what's going on now that I completely forget what it used to be like. And this is, you know, listening to all of your shares and, and reading this paragraph about the despairing wife and the little children. You know, it really brings back a lot of memories. Um and you know, I, all I ever wanted to, to, to do with my life when I was a kid, I always dreamed of growing up and getting married and having a family and being an awesome mom. And somehow, as an adult, that wasn't happening, you know. And, and I couldn't even understand why. It was just, I was just living in the middle of a big mess. I remember looking around and thinking, like, everyone else in the world has this secret to happiness that someone forgot to tell me. I was just miserable and, and grouchy and angry, so angry, and I was acting out with my kids in ways that I always promised myself I wouldn't. Um, you know, my relationship with my husband was not really there. How can you have a relationship with someone if you always want them to leave so that you can eat? Um, you know, I had this crazy rage that I was always holding inside, and it would sometimes burst to the surface in, in ridiculous outbursts, like things that I'm ashamed to say on the line things that I've done in my rage and I just could not get a handle on myself and didn't know why. And I'm so grateful that I came here to this program and it's, you know, it's helped me with my food. It's helped me with my food. My, I don't eat in crazy ways anymore, but more so than that, it, it's, it's bringing me to a relationship with a higher power that I can trust and rely on so that I don't have to act out in crazy ways. You know, I, I always bring this up when I end up speaking about this. I, I have I have several articles posted on the wall in my kitchen, things that had moved me at one time or another. And there's an article there. It's still there now. I posted it several years ago, and it touched me because it was all about a mother, you know, thinking to herself about how, gosh, you know, every night I just, every day I just try to get through the day and get my kids out of my way and get them to do stuff. And every night I hold them, you know, I, I stroke their sleeping heads and I think, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm really going to spend time with you. 
And I posted that for myself years ago as a reminder because that's the life I was living. Get out of my way. Stop bothering me because I just want to eat. And it was killing me inside. And today, that's, that article is only there as a reminder of what used to be because I'm not a perfect person. But one thing I do know is that I, I, I am present and I'm, I'm here for my family and I'm grateful for that. That's not me. That's the work of my higher power. And thank you all for being there with that. I'll pass. And thank you so much, Miriam Rifkh. Okay, we still have time. So, who would like to comment on paragraph? Sherry KB. Sher- who? Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Uh huh. Wendy. Oh, okay. You want to go again, right, Sherry KB? I never went. <laughs> Sherry KB never went. No. Nope. <laughs> I got the wrong. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said that. I have it written down. Um, okay, I apologize. Who's next after Sherry? Wendy M. Wendy M. Next. Anybody else? Darlene D. Charlene? Darlene Darlene D. D. Got it. Okay, let's go with those those three for now. Okay, Sherry KB. I don't know who, who went before you, but go ahead. Dear. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. Yes. Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful Recovery Compulsive a Reader. Uh, thank you so much for your service and everybody on the line, and welcome to newcomers. And um just going to jump right in here and thank Dr. Silkworth um, for sure. Without him, you know, it says it takes a village to get something going, and there were so many people that helped Alcoholics Anonymous. If it weren't for this man, I don't think any of us would be here, and I'm just so grateful for that. Thank you, Dr. Silkworth. Um, and also here it says we have accepted and encouraged this movement and here he's endorsing this movement of altruistic movement that's growing up and has been growing among us ever since and you know with that um i wouldn't be here either um thank god that you know that i've been given something so generously and then i pay it back generously because i pay it forward what i was given and um, it is my pleasure, as Dr. Bob says, it is a pleasure to be of service. And that's what it talks about in this book, that our purpose in life is to be of maximum service to others because I can't keep this unless I give it away. I can't stay recovered unless I'm in the steps, working the steps, being helped to others, taking people through this book. I can't stay recovered without, um, without you, without my higher power. And so this altruistic movement, which means unselfish and um, he talks about this on the other page as well. He brings us up a lot about the altruistic movement. Um, he talks about this. We read it before on uh, Roman numeral XVI where it says that, you know, this altruistic movement, um, he's, he's mentioning it so many times, and that's what he's telling us is that the only way that this really works is when we work with another uh, compulsive overeater who has depth and weight who understands our disease. Um, when I... I, um, in 1988, I called an eating disorder because I had freaked out because I had gained a lot of weight due to uh, stop smoking cigarettes. And when I saw them, they asked me to join the group, and I didn't want to join the group. And they said, well, if you're not going to join the group, at least go to Overeaters Anonymous. And thank God they told me about Overeaters Anonymous. This was in 1988 in Atlanta, Georgia. And if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be here on the phone right now. And it's been an interesting journey. I haven't always been... I've been recovering, but I've never been recovered, not like I am today. And thank God for this book, and thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank God for the steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. 
And thank you so much, Cherry KB. Okay, Wendy M., it's your turn. Yes, good morning. Yes, good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service and everybody on the line. Wendy M. recovered in Boulder, Colorado, and thank you, God, for the absence I have this morning. And um, this is just, it's just a miracle. I just want to stop for a minute and just say, first of all, these pages are miracles, but it's a miracle I'm sitting in this chair with all of you on this line. Um, I am a different person because of vision for you. I'm a different person. And the difference is not that I'm perfect now, although entire abstinence gives me neutrality and relief from the food. Thank you, God. But I'm different because I know now when I'm selfish. Um, God enters me quicker when I'm, you know, when I'm not altruistic, when I'm being, you know, selfish. And it says here, we have found nothing which has contributed more found nothing. That's absolutely true. I searched for 50 some odd years, even abstinently in program, not entirely abstinent, but off the, you know, what would you say, dessert items. Um, I was still running the show. I had not found what I found in Vision for You. It is, for me, a different program. I'm a different person. Um, And I want to say that it says altruistic. Altruistic means unselfish. And um, I have to just say that being selfish is exhausting, and not being selfish is not exhausting because it's God's will. Um, and I get exhausted a lot because especially um, with family members, um, I just want to run the show, and then I need to turn on this line and then remember what you all are telling me, that it's, it's easier to be unselfish than it is to be selfish. Selfish is exhausting. It's exhausting to be controlling. It's exhausting to be selfish and self-centered. When I put myself before my husband, before my my son, um, it never works, not once. It doesn't ever work. And then I get a text from you or I hear it on the line um, that it just doesn't work. And then I just have to be, um, go to God. And God is, what, what would you have me be? And God says, you need to be of service to your husband. You need to be of service to your son. You need to change your head around on this issue. Um, and the answer is always, how can I be of service? Not just to my family members, but to a sponsee, to a, you know, a neighbor, to a stranger. How can I be of service to you? That's the altruistic movement that is growing up among us. And um, it always feels fantastic. And it feels fantastic because it's God. Every single time, God, what would you have me be? And God says, be of service. Stop being selfish. You know, don't put yourself first. Um, I always, always, always feel better, and um, that's how I experience God on a daily basis. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Mm. And thank you so much, Wendy M. Okay, Darlene D., it's your turn. Hi. Good morning, Janice. Thanks for your service, everyone. This is Darlene D., compulsive overeater in recovery here in Maryland, and um, really appreciate the shares around the room, and I've done this for quite some time. I've actually been calling into the phone line since June 9th, and you guys have really showed me um, this altruistic uh, movement because, you you know, when I looked up that word, it said showing a disinterested and selfless concern for the well-being of others. And that's what you guys have done for me. And some of you, I've reached out to you on the phone and, and just let you know, hey, I'm there, I'm hearing your shares, but I'm not speaking up. 
But this morning I'm feeling compelled because, you know, it's like, okay, darling, it's time to give back what was so freely given because no one has ever asked me for anything. You know, I've been able to freely come here and show up and take, you know, and today I'm just ready to start giving back because, you know, the experience for me has just been over overwhelming. It's been so great to know that I'm finally dealing with an issue that I've struggled with for many, many years. And I just recently finished um, steps five through eight. Yep, I'm on step nine right now. And my life is changing in a way that I can not even explain. I'm very grateful for what I've received here. And I just want to say that I'm ready to participate in this movement and not be selfish. And I'm very willing to give back what was so freely given to me. And this is Darlene D. in Maryland. I'm going to pass. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, Darlene D. Uh, we have time for one, maybe two minutes here. Does anybody want to take that? Um, okay, I just want to say that this is Janice M. I'm, re- I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. I just want to say that, you know, doctors, psychiatrists, usually, you know, they're they're deep thinkers, you know, they're a little bit egotistical. You know how I know? Because I'm just like them, you know. No, I do have more, maybe more emotions. And you know, I'm married to one, and he's not that—he's uh, not that uh, sentimental. In fact, uh, I'm still trying to tell him what to do. Especially, he's a dentist, and uh, he's always told me, "Don't eat the popcorn, don't eat the candy." Ba 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 ba. And I'm telling him yesterday that he shouldn't be using a toothpick. That he should be using, um, you know, stimulants. And I'm recovered. And I go, oh. Oh, who has the experience here? You know, and this is what I've done all my life, you know, trying to control people. But, you know, this this program that we're into, that, you know, these recovered people, men and women, they have the experience, the same disease, the same solution as I have. So I'm, thank you, God, finally, I started to listen to them because they're rehabilitated on one day at a time by being being recovered, um, having going back to their health of mind and body through the selfishness of you people on this line, the big book, and my higher power. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass, and I thank everyone, everyone who has shared. I have a a five-digit telephone number, five-digit share ID for today, this morning's 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting for November 28th is 10,719. That's 10719. So I'm going to ask, please, Marie J., if she would please read uh, the reading from the big book on page 164, um, uh, uh, Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggested, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Marie J.? Thanks. This is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass, you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. 
We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you tread the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. 